Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon and welcome to Empowering Family Caregiver Show on Blog Talk Radio. I'm Meghna Giridhar, your host for today's show, sponsored by eCareDiary.com. Today, we will focus on um, tips from a geriatric care manager on senior home care options. To help shed light on this, I'm very pleased to introduce our distinguished guest, Doris Haas. Doris is the owner of Atlas Care Management and Elder Care Mediation and a dementia care specialist. Um, she's also a Florida Supreme Court certified mediator and has been a registered nurse for over 25 years with professional experience including hospital nursing, home health care, outpatient rehab, nursing home, and evaluation of assisted living and retirement communities. She holds a care management certification awarded by the National Academy of Certified Care Managers and is a board member of the Florida Geriatric Care Managers Association. Doris, thank you for joining us this afternoon. Oh, thank you for having me. Happy to be here. We have so many questions for you, Doris, um, on this extremely relevant topic for, um, you know, we've received a ton of questions from our audience members, so um, let's just get right to it. Um, The very first question I had was about, you know, you've been in this field for over 20 years. Have you noticed any important changes or trends in the area of senior housing? Well, I, being having spent most of that time here in Florida, um, I could speak mostly for Florida, but what, most of what I say does apply to the rest of the country as well. So I see more assisted living facilities, and down here we've got a lot of variety of care, which is good. But what I'm seeing is a lot of the assisted living facilities are now um, catering more to dementia clients. So some of them will have dementia units or memory units, same thing, which are actually units that are locked so that the uh, patient cannot, oh, they, they use the word uh, elope or escape. In other words, they are, they're in a locked unit so they cannot wander off. That's the main reason. It's mm-hmm. for their own safety because a lot of the dementia clients can wander and, uh, and then get into trouble or get lost. So um, mm-hmm. you'll find a lot more memory units, and there are also some assisted living facilities that are complete dementia. They're, that's their main focus, and that's all they take. And it's a very good thing because the doctors then can come in to see the clients at the facility, and there's a lot of communication between the physicians and the nurses that are taking care of them and the aides. I see. Good thing. Now, senior housing is, you know, it's a confusing step for, um, you know, many family caregivers because, there is this question, and you know, I was thinking about it myself when I was thinking about what I should be doing for my grandma. Um, should senior housing be chosen based on your loved one's lifestyle or medical condition? That's a very good question. And as a care manager, when we first meet a client, we do a comprehensive assessment. And we're the only ones in healthcare that look at the whole entire picture. So there mm-hmm. is no one answer. And 
both of your both of your questions are correct. In other words, we're looking at everything. Lifestyle plays a big part. If somebody's becoming isolated and they're not getting out and they're not socializing, and you cannot meet those needs for socialization in the home, then an assisted living is a good option because there's always going to be people around. Um, mm-hmm. However, if somebody has um, a medical condition like diabetes and they're not able to give themselves their own insulin or they can't monitor their blood sugar, then that might be a reason for them to go into an assisted living for medication management. Um, Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of things to be taken into consideration. There's not one flat answer. We look at the entire picture. You also have to consider the other family members. Sometimes you have a dementia patient and the, the spouse cannot live in the home because they're being kept up all hours of the night they just can't meet the needs. It gets to be very, very stressful. And you have to also take into consideration the other family members. So I wish I could give you a simple answer. Yeah. So, yes, I guess, but you've given us a few points on the basis of which, you know, each family could make a choice based on the points that you mentioned. Because I think a lot of people struggle with even the first step of how to even how to even start the process of, um, you know, choosing the place. So I think you've answered the question really well because it's, it just um, helps shed light on something that, you know, as a starting point for a lot of caregivers. Now, mm-hmm. when, you know, when you're looking at housing options, what are the current and future needs that we should focus on when we're choosing something for our elderly loved ones? Well, the current needs are, are going to be your activities of daily living, and those are your basic, basic needs like bathing, dressing, grooming, assistance with eating, toileting, and walking, getting up from a chair. So those are the basics. Those are the main reasons why people need to go in an assisted living. However, you also have to look at what's called the instrumental activities of daily living, and those are your medications, meal preparations, housekeeping, shopping, driving, doing laundry, mm-hmm. um, use of the telephone, those other things that, that are encountered in day-to-day life. So that's currently. And also finances. But the finances are more important in the future because if somebody's got a disease like Alzheimer's or Parkinson's or a long-term illness, there's going to be a financial burden in the future that's going to increase. Mm -hmm. So you have to look at finances. And you need to have um, an accountant. I always refer people to see an elder law attorney earlier rather than Mm -hmm. wait till there's no money left. You may have to do some planning for Medicaid, especially if there's a spouse involved. So I, th- I think long-term, the finances are, are the main concern. I see. Now, what types of senior housing options are currently available for um, seniors? Okay, looking and talking about assisted living, we're talking about a person that does not need 24-hour care. So. Mm-hmm. Some people think, well, uh, assisted living, they take care of them all day long. Well, they don't. It's just part-time care, so they have to understand what care is actually being given. So you've got choices of a private caregiver or a family member caregiver at home. You've got assisted living facilities. You have some with locked units. You have some assisted living facilities with special licenses that can provide some limited nursing skills like wound care, feeding tubes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Foley changes. They have to have a special license to do that. Um, 
And if the other choices would be either an adult daycare center, sometimes will fit mm-hmm. the bill, or some adult family care homes, which are traditionally smaller homes, where they may get a little bit more attention, but they're not going to have as many people there. So that fits somebody's need too. And those tend to be also less expensive than the larger, fancier assisted living places. So you have to look at what the needs are. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, uh, we have a unique group of people who are about to retire or, uh, you know, are going to enter the senior, you know, the the group of people who are going to be requiring help. And that group is um, the baby boomers. Now, a lot of these baby boomers, one of the major characteristics is that they are financially sound, and most of them, uh, based on research, choose to age at home. Now, um, what are the key factors that they should be aware of if, if uh, one of them, you know, if a baby boomer decides to uh, age in place? Well, one thing that we especially can do as geriatric care managers is we can literally keep people at home till the end of life if Mm -hmm. they have the finances to provide the care. So finances are a big part of it. Um, You have to look at what what the needs are and whether or not they can afford to pay for it. Um, So the finances can meet the needs of the senior. The family dynamics, Mm -hmm. again, the needs of the other family members. Um, But what I tell people as far as finances, largely they're private pay. They may have a long-term care insurance policy that can help. They may... Mm -hmm. um, Qualify for VA benefits is an aid and attendance benefit that the spouse or the patient might qualify for. Um, mm-hmm. Then there's also Medicaid. If somebody runs out of money, there's a Medicaid program. There's down here in Florida a Medicaid waiver program that can help pay for assisted living. Um, what I usually do is I advise people the best source, um, if they're concerned about finances, is to visit the Area Agency on Aging and they exist everywhere in the United States. Just look up the Area Agency on Aging, and you can meet with the social worker there, and they can tell you uh, what programs are out there that that you would qualify for. I see. Now, if someone has the resources and is looking to hire a private caregiver, um, what are some of the factors that they should consider before going ahead? Okay, great question. Um, you know, my mother is in her 90s, and she keeps telling me, oh, if you're looking for an aide, my neighbor uh, knows somebody that knows a girl named Susie, and she's really, really good. And <laughs> I always kind of shake my head and think, oh, my gosh, it's not such a good idea. And, Mom, how many times do I have to tell you? You really can't hire somebody that way. Um, if you do want to hire a private aide and pay privately, number one, you need a background check. Uh, you need mm-hmm. to have an accountant that's going to pay taxes because now you're considered the employer. So you have to worry about federal taxes, workers' comp, unemployment insurance. You have to verify their training and referral sources. So you really have to be an employer, and most people are not okay. employers. So that's private aids. Um, the next step uh, after that would be to go through an agency. So it's just a lot easier to go through a licensed home health agency um, because they do all that work for you. Um, right. A lot of people, if they have a lot of funds, they can hire people to do it for them. But uh, okay. traditionally, you're an employer. 
Okay, so that's that's an important point because I guess a lot of seniors would not consider themselves um, in that role and it might come as a shock because then there are all these other um, issues like the tax issue and, you know, um, the employer-employee relationship, all those uh, come into play, which um, which is, you know, it's, it's a different kind of um, a paradigm shift for those who have always been on their own and uh, handling things themselves. So thank you for sharing right. that. Right. And they, they also don't understand the liability, how vulnerable they become, because if they have an agent right. into their home, uh, if here in Florida, if somebody sleeps in your home for one night, you cannot make them leave unless you go through a whole eviction process. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's really wow. crazy the laws down here. But uh, and as far as, as an aid is concerned, if something gets broken in the home, or if something's missing or stolen even, there's no recourse. There's no liability coverage. Whereas with the home health agency, you do have that insurance. I see. Now, um, what about seniors who choose not to age at home and want to kind of explore the senior living facility option? How should those centers be evaluated? Well, number one, you want to make sure they have a license and they're properly licensed. That's usually not a problem. You can ask the facility to see their license. You can look at the date of expiration and see, are they licensed as a family care home or a daycare center or an assisted living facility? What kind of license is it? That's number one. Mm-hmm. And number two, I always uh, give families a checklist. And if you can find somebody with a computer and just Google assisted living checklist, You can find Mm -hmm. a large variety of checklists that you can take with you when you're visiting these assisted livings and just check them off. And I think the most important thing that that I think is when you walk into a building, you get a feeling about the place. You're looking at the staff, how they're interacting with with the residents there. And are they respectful? Are they happy at work? You want them to be happy at work. Um, Mm -hmm. It's just... uh, Looking at that interaction is the most important thing, and you can sense it when people are not happy there or when they don't like what they do. They shouldn't be there. They should be doing something else that they don't like what they do. Right, absolutely. That's That's a very important factor because I guess nothing, everything might look great on paper, but when you go to the place and you don't, get a good vibe, um, I think it makes sense to listen to your instinct rather than, you know, go by like, you know, go by what someone else might have said and they might have given it a five out of five, but you feel something off. Um, it's better to investigate it right at the beginning. Am I right? Right. And, and the checklists are great because the checklist will give you questions to ask that you wouldn't normally think about and that are important, okay. important questions. Mm-hmm. Great. Now, um, Doris, I read something about um, centers called registries, and then I also um, researched, uh, you know, this other option called a licensed home health health agency, and I was um, confused about the difference. What is a registry and what is a licensed home health health agency? Okay, the, the main difference between the two is that a registry hires independent contractors. A licensed home health agency is an employer. They hire employees. So a licensed home health agency can supervise the employees and can instruct them on what to do and how to act. Whereas with the registry, there's a little vagueness on who the employer actually is, and sometimes it reverts back to um, the person that's hiring them, the person at home, the senior. 
So there's a little confusion sometimes. Um, you'll find that the home health agencies um, have to be bonded. Nurse registries, they don't necessarily have to be. Um, they both have to be licensed. They both have to be insured. A licensed home health agency provides workers' comp, whereas a registry does not. Home health agency has liability insurance, and some registries require aides to purchase their own. Um, Auto insurance, the the home health agency would have it, but not necessarily the nurse registry. And the taxes being withheld and the unemployment insurance, that's all being withheld with the licensed home health agency because they are employees, but not necessarily Mm -hmm. with the registry. Now, there are some very good registries out there that will go the extra step and will do these extra things. So um, you just have to be knowledgeable about who you're hiring and and what you have there. Um, But you have to look at what the registries are providing and what their coverage is. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, say you've chosen, you know, say you've found a place that you like, for your mom or your grandma or your father. Um, when it, and it, the next big question is, of course, about the cost that you're going to incur. Can you provide some comparative numbers on the cost of senior housing options? Yes. Um, assisted livings vary widely. And uh, Florida tends to be on the lower cost end. I mean, I've had clients that for some states up north, sometimes it can be very expensive. Um, so each state is going to be different, but generally uh, here you have a range from about a thousand a month to eight thousand a month. I mean, it's a huge range. So mm-hmm. I would say the average cost of an assisted living facility in Florida is going to be about three thousand a month. Okay. Um, Twenty-five hundred, three thousand is is pretty average. Uh, you know, so there's a, you have to look at your finances and see what you can afford, and then you can go out and look for a place. As far as home health aides or companions, and uh, the difference between a home health aide and a companion is, is a home health aide can actually provide hands-on care. They can touch mm-hmm. people and help them get into a car, help them get out of a car. But a companion technically cannot. The companion is a homemaker companion. They're there to help with meals, socialization. They can drive people. They just can't do that hands-on care. And interestingly okay. enough, it's the same. They, it costs pretty much the same. So you're looking at $12 to $26 an hour, and the average mm-hmm. is going to be 16 to 20 and that's in Florida. Um, again, there's going to be other varieties outside, the, outside of Florida. A live-in aid that lives in your home generally runs, I'd say, 180 to 220 a day. Okay. So you have to look at I how see. much care. Now, now daycare, daycare centers, um, if, you have, if you're in a situation where you're home with a home health aide, you might consider daycare because the daycare will charge like 42 to $96 a day, and that averages at about $60 a day. So there, there could be some savings in a daycare mm-hmm. as opposed to a home health aide at home. I see. Now, are there any insurance options for senior housing? The insurance, uh, long-term care insurance definitely is going to be an option. Most people start off with private funds if they don't have the long-term care insurance. Um, but once, once you're past that, you're looking at when somebody gets onto Medicaid and they're looking for a Medicare waiver 
uh, here in Florida, there's, there's something called a Medicare waiver that's kind of combined with Medicaid now. Things are changing a little bit here. But basically, Medicaid will pay for a portion, a large portion, of the assisted living fee. Now, again, every state is different. So, mm-hmm. again, I would refer people to the Area Agency on Aging uh, if they need assistance paying for that assisted living. And also, hey, look, thank the you. VA benefits. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Veteran benefits, too. Yeah. The, the VA um, aid and attendance benefit will also mm-hmm. help pay for either home health aid or an assisted living facility. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Doris. It has been an absolute pleasure having you as a guest, and thank you for sharing all these um, important tips that um, I myself wasn't aware of, um, you know, when it comes to senior housing. Um, I want to share your website URL with our audience members so that they could visit your website um, for more information about the work you do. Um, Great. There's also, I have a resource. I'm sorry, I have a resource okay. page there, too, that, that people can look at if they're looking for resources as well. There's a lot of resources on there. Fantastic. So um, just for everyone listening in, you can learn more about Doris Haas at www.atlascaremanagement.com. I'll repeat that. It's www.atlascaremanagement.com. And don't forget to visit the resources section for um, a lot more information about questions that you might have about senior housing. Thank our audience for tuning in today. And we would love for you to join us next time on Tuesday, May 20th at 2 p.m. Eastern for our next Empowering Family Caregivers show. This time we will be interviewing Trishka Ruana, Vice President of Programs and Education at Cure PSP, an international nonprofit organization that funds research and provides support for people suffering from atypical Parkinson's disorders. To learn more about eCare Diary and our upcoming shows, visit www.ecarediary.com. Registration is free and gives you immediate access to your personal care diary tool. You can find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. My Twitter address is eCare underscore diary. Thank you once again, everyone. Thank you, Doris. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.